This week's episode is brought to you by Clan Loyalty. Want to stick to the clan you started with? Want to have that pride for your nation, or your clan, or your race, or whatever? Well, with Clan Loyalty, you can wait patiently for the day that you get some broken double R, so that you can take on the metagame for a full month until another set comes out. Clan Loyalty. When is Great Nature going to be good again? And I'm Matt. And I'm also hungry. But uh Oh hungry. Yeah, exactly. I'm dad. Anyway, so today we're talking about um what are we talking about? So the I guess the best way to put it is the misconceptions of playing card games that the anime instills in the community. Okay. So it's so the anime does a really poor job at actually telling people how to play card games. They like they just say that you have always have to stick with this one thing. Like ever, almost ever. I think there's one character in the show who just has who doesn't have multiple. Or no, there's so the um okay, the, the girl uh, Mis, um, okay there's Misaki who Misaki has, has two decks. She has Genesis and OTT, and then there's, and then Shigo has like fifty thousand decks. Yeah, and and people call him weird for it. They're like, why are you playing? Why not stick with one clan? Right. Yeah. So. Like, everyone, everyone else in the show thinks you always have to stick with one clan at all times. Yeah, which is dumb. Which is dumb. Hell, Why would you ever do this to yourself? Hell, even a character switching clans, like in the case of necessity with uh, Aichi and Ren, where Royal and Shadow Paladin aren't a thing, and they have to pick a new clan, is like a big fucking deal. They're like, "Well, I have to switch now," you know. We're talking about no one even remembers what Royal Paladins or Shadow Paladins are during that time period, or Kagura for that matter. Yeah. And it's just like this thing, like, oh, he's a strong blah 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 player, and I'm just like, uh, what? So, 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 so well, the the main function of the anime is to sell the cards, right? Because they're gonna make shit look good, right? Um, so, so they'll always create these scenarios where whatever specific situational card that somebody's trying to play that they'll make it work for that so you can't really look at the anime and see a card do whatever and just be like oh this card's so good because it's not it's probably just a tailored situation to make this card look good yeah um pretty much i mean Uh, as shitty as that is it's just the just the way it works like well because the Bushiroad's function as a company is to make money. So to right. do that, they have to sell cards, and to sell cards, they have to, aside from releasing them, is uh, showing them in action. Um, right. That... And so the other question is, why does clan loyalty play into this? Uh, and so if we look at how the metagame has evolved for Cardfight Vanguard for like the past like year, year and a half, mm-hmm. there, there could have been a situation, like let's say everyone always played the best deck, there would have been a situation, like, right after GBT-08, where people would have never bought cards until, like, Fire's Collection. Or, like, they would have bought, like, three cards from the extra boost, from the Gear Chronicle extra booster, and that would have been it. Yeah. And people were just not worried about anything. Like, there would have been entire sets that just didn't sell. Yeah. So, clan loyalty, in some sense, helps them sell these sets that just have actual dog shit in them. Well, it's not, it's not just loyalty. It's, like, some people play the game for fun, which, again, good on you. But... Sure. Uh, I mean, but like, if 
and if you're trying to create a competitive environment, right? And this is, I think, a big um, disconnect between Vanguard and a lot of other card games, is that Vanguard is not nearly as competitive, or at least the company doesn't see it as a competitive game. Yeah. So their idea is just we're just you know it's just a fun game, but there's also tournaments for it, right? So when there are tournaments for it, it's like, well, is it competitive or is it not? Well, the, I, I'm guessing with the lack of prize support, that no, they do not see it as really competitive. It's more of just like a. a not a pissing contest, but just like an exercise in, uh, you know, friendly competition, like a Teddy Roosevelt handlebar mustache turn of the century competition. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess, but I mean, you look at other card games which are kind of also geared toward children, say Yu-Gi-Oh. And this card game, you know, has a competitive scene. The prize sport is a lot better than Carfi Vanguard, but still not great. Yeah, when they, um, honestly, I know that people say it's like, oh, it's geared towards children. I don't really believe that's true anymore with a lot of TCGs. Um, I think it's true for hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh. So Yu-Gi-Oh being geared toward children is not in the most direct way. So I believe. So it, it, the way you need to look at Yu-Gi-Oh is it's split over a couple different tiers. Mm-hmm. So the very very new stuff is for competitive players only, right? Yeah. Like. The only people who are going to chase like $100 secret rares are going to be the people who want to win an event. They're going to buy the card for an event, play that event, and sell the deck. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're not going to get attached to this bullshit. Like, they, you can't afford to in Yu-Gi-Oh! It's too expensive. Like, if you're, you know, if you're dropping like $500 every time, a couple, you know, every couple sets because you have to be playing the top deck to compete, say like, oh, I need my diagrams or I need my, you know, whatever else people need to buy these days. Mm-hmm. Like... This is just like way too. This is like way too expensive. This is more expensive than any other card game. Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! To keep on a like, top tier competitive level is going to be more expensive than any other card game. Okay, that's true. I, I I was about to say Magic because the first thing that popped into my head was Black Lotus, but uh, right. Well, that's only one. That's only legal in one format that not very many people play. That's true. Like, yeah, because of the format playing, thing. If you're playing Legacy, like there was a deck that was a top tier Legacy deck for like eight years, yeah, or maybe six years or something like that, right? If so, if you spent like two thousand dollars to make this deck, you'd have to you 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 probably spent like less than two hundred updating it over six years. Yeah. So two two uh, twenty two hundred over six years versus five hundred like every six months for however long you're playing Yu Gi Oh for. Yeah. Is you know, it, one is definitely more expensive in the long run. Yeah. It's and it's not like it, you're. And what's different about Magic and why Magic you know is kind of special in this is that your cards retain value sometimes go up. True. So um, where in Yu-Gi-Oh, the reprints, and this is an important point, the reprints can crush the value of your cards. Okay, it didn't used to be like that, though. This, this was mostly in the last few years, where Konami started like pumping out reprints every few months. Well, the Gold Series started it, right? Yes, Gold Series was... Because they was, had to reprint Dark Arm Dragon, I believe? Yeah, that was like 2009, something like that. Like, yeah. it, it started very recently after I started playing, which was like 28, 2008 to like 2010. Um, or no, Insectors, 2012. So, oh god, I played Yu-Gi-Oh for too long. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, the, damn it. So, what, where I was going with this is that reprints serve a purpose of taking the cards that were only meant for, like, tier one, and giving it to the rest. Yeah. Like, because it's marketed as a children's card game, children can't convince their parents to buy $100 cards. Like, children's are never, like... Kids are never going to play this game at like a very very high level in yeah. general. True. 
So these reprints serve as to allow the, to give these cards to the community, but only after a you know delayed period of time. They also have like a very, I guess you could say, dynamic ban list, mm-hmm. where they're like chopping down decks every few months or so. So you have to kind of start from the ground up. So it's not just like I can sell the deck for value and that these reprints are coming. It's that I literally cannot play this deck on in a competitive context anymore. Right. Um, and Yu-Gi-Oh's ban list serves more as a rotation system. Like, people say that, you know, they don't like Magic because of the rotation. Well, Yu-Gi-Oh basically has rotation as a competitive level. What, like because they'll chop something down and then bring it back after a few years? or Well, they'll just make a deck unplayable. Yeah. Like, like you look at, um, like, they just hit, like, when Necroz was absurd, like, they just started chopping off pieces of Necroz until it was no longer a problem. When Shadals were big, they just started chopping off pieces of Shadals until they weren't a problem. Yeah. And they just keep doing it. Like, that's what they're doing with zoos now. Yeah. It's like, oh, we can't have any of these cards. It's just too good. Yeah. And Next so there is, there is a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's yeah. important to understand, like, where other games come from. Because Yu-Gi-Oh! is a very influential game when it, when it comes to non-rotating card games. Because that's Yu-Gi-Oh! True. I believe is the longest card game without a non-rotating format. I could be wrong. Hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, but, like, every card is always going to be legal. Yeah. Or every card that's not in the ban list will always be legal. Yeah, and this kind of clinging on to a deck is something that was in in the Yu Gi Oh anime. Like this person plays this deck always, and they'll just like randomly have new cards, hmm. right? Yeah, I, I guess. I, well, I guess they started with a random collection of cards because there weren't very many cards, yeah, and then well, they people started settling in on stuff. Well, Yu Gi Oh, like the original ban list was if something became a problem. Then they would limit, ban, semi-limit, etc. And now it seems like as time goes on, they're using it as, like you said, as a de facto form of set rotation. Yep, because um, they need to sell the new stuff. Yeah. Vanguard, on the other hand, is uh, in in this point of they're only banning or limiting things that are a problem, but they're they're doing it in like these weird kind of creative ways where... You know, like, Sword Me was making the Sanctuary Guard deck, like, way too fast. So they were like, all right, you can't use Sword Me unless all your grade 3s are Jewel Knights. So they didn't completely screw over Jewel Knight players. Um, yeah, I like, I like that guy. who I don't, I don't remember what country it was in, but uh, like Singapore or something that was just playing a Jewel Knight deck with zero grade 3s. Yeah. But since all your grade 3s have Jewel Knight in the name, you can play Sword Me. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, uh, <laughs> or just, like, you can still use this card, you just can't use it as your starter, Conroe, Bartdoll, etc. Yeah. Um, and then, like, basically, as Gear Chronicle happened, that's when they started actually limiting it. Like, TikTok, they did the same thing of, you can't use it as your starter, but also you can only use one. Mm-hmm. And Erwitar, you can only use one. And... That's, you know, header around, you can only use one in Japan anyway, and it's still topping everywhere. Um, you know, make the ghost and ghosty and family. They, they, they're, they're hesitant to completely prohibit the use of a card. Um, yes, and, and that's fine, but if you want to keep your game maximal fun, aka not everyone, like, games can be fun and competitive. Yeah. And I just think that losing really sucks, and I hate losing repeatedly, so I tend yeah. to not want to do that. Um, but uh, like you, you can you need to create a situation where people don't feel like there's one deck to play if you want to win. Yeah, which I 
kind of feel like we're pretty close to right now. Well, we're in a three, arguably four deck format. I mean, the Nairo's hit is pretty large. Yeah. And I just well, think gear, I think gears right now is like a pretty big step above everything else. I think when GBT eleven comes out, this is gonna change. Um, I hope so. Or people will just misplay and lose to the same shit they've always been losing to. We'll see. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and and before everyone's just playing Nubatama. Yeah. Well, in any case, the we really haven't had like a true two deck format because of the nature of triggers by itself, but also. You had like these weird dark horse. I love that word. Dark horse decks like Luard, like Blaster Engine, that are kind of keeping everything a little uh, varied, you know. Um, and then now with GBT eleven and twelve, I think this is going to be a major shift for the meta game because you have decks coming out that are checks, not counters, checks to top decks like Narukami with all the drop zone binding um, coming out. I think it's going to be a check to Night Rose, which is also due in part to it being slowed down a bunch with uh, Make the Ghosty being hit to one. Um, but it's, it, it's I think we're in for a more diverse meta coming up. Yeah, and that's something that they also just don't talk about in the show at all, is like how decks match up versus other decks. Like, they seem to always have this thing, like, this should always be winnable or whatever. Like, as long as I'm a good enough player. But there are some times where your deck is just not facilitated to beat, the, to beat some other deck. Like, if you're playing Luard and your opponent flips over Taro, like, you, you just can't be happy with what's, good, with what's about to happen. Yeah, or, like, just seeing... It seems like in the anime, when they talk about matchups, they talk about people and not the decks they're playing. Like, right. The, the, the main antagonist right now, Kazumi, who's a Nubatama player, they're like, this guy has never been beaten before in tournament play. What the fuck? Holy shit. And they're not looking at the deck he's playing, you know, Domination, Nubatama, Chiranui, etc. Where it's very, very much beatable, I hope. Um, I, I mean, it's not doing a whole lot in Japan, so I would well, imagine it is. Yeah, but uh, it, it, it's still just something that is very much a disconnect between the anime and real life. Um, and that's something like, that people have to keep in mind, I think. I know why they're, they, they bring, like, they, like, over-exaggerate like he's never lost in tournament play mm-hmm. is because they want to make it more exciting when he does and in, what inevitably lose because he has to. Yeah. Uh, so this is just how the show has to work. He has to lose. Makes sense. But in reality, like even the best players will have like 70% win rates. 70%. Like, yeah. Like why would it be much higher than, you know, 50%? Like 70% is a lot. Yeah. Like you look at top MTG players, and they have like the best players like of all time have like seventy percent win rates on the Pro Tour, like at at max, and that's like really good. But like if you look at like a you know sixteen round tournament, right, and you're winning seventy five percent of your matches, you're all or you know like let's say you know you finish eleven and five, right, you're just almost a top eight in in, in a Pro Tour. Yeah, like said, so that's really good. Like, your average finish is like, hey, I'm almost in top eight. It's true. Like, th- like it's all about what percentage of your games do you win, giving yourself the best chance to win, which uh, which I think, you know, they don't actually imply. Like, they just say, oh, I wasn't strong enough or something. It's like, no, it just didn't happen. <laughs> like, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, 
with the clan loyalty thing in general and the people matchup and stuff, I really think that the anime could improve more from, you know, seeing the uh, the two starters flip over and instead of having both people just say the name of the clan and then not say anything after. Like, a big example of this is uh, Kazuma versus the Murakumo guy from uh, Neo Nippon. They flip over the starters and then they each go, Murakumo, Shadow Paladin, and then just move the fuck on. They don't go okay, I need to play differently, or uh, he's going to blow my field up, I sh- et cetera. Um, yeah, that's another big issue, is that nobody knows what the other person's cards do. Yeah, that's something that uh, bothered me. Earlier this week, there was a th- uh, thread on the subreddit where someone was decrying the constant changing of, or like other people's constant changing of decks. And they're like, how come they don't, you know, stay in one clan, or they, you know... Or they like make it and then sell it. Well, Maledict had the best response to this, by the way. It was so like what hilarious. Did he, what did he say? He was the one. Oh, uh, let me let me just find what? it and read it. It was it was just so funny. Yeah. You need every word to make sure you get the full amount of sarcasm, because you know it's a uh, it's very easy to mess this thing up. Let's see. He said, "Yeah, I think it's extremely disloyal and disrespectful of the game and all the great players and clan leaders who stick to only one clan." Vanguard is all about tradition, and I hate all those clan traders. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> you, you could you could like spread that on toast. That was so like thick and rich. Good lord! Good, good on you, Malady. But it's like it's like way too like put together to be serious. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, it was just the best. Well, whatever, whatever it is that that still also comes from the anime, where it's like a big fucking deal. To mm-hmm. be loyal to one clan, and then if you, if you, if you like, just play one clan, you're the 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 very nature of Vanguard, where a lot of it is kind of solitaire during your turn. If you don't learn about your opponent's cards, you don't know what to kill with retire skills, and it's not just as much as like, can I read that for a second? Being able to understand how other decks tick will definitely make you a better player. I make different decks all the fucking time. Um, like early episodes of this podcast i had us all like say like these are the the decks we play and i realized that was stupid because i'm changing decks all the time um and yes i have like a main which is great nature that's probably never going to change but all the things around it will make you learn how to play your own deck and how to play against other decks differently like if i didn't play aqua force i probably wouldn't be constantly gunning after a title assault when it shows up on board or you know what whatever else like in Kagero like Mubdi you want to kill that right away um that kind of thing yeah and I, and I think like what, what a bonus of playing multiple decks too is let's say let's say you know you're a person who owns Night Rose which is like you know arguably a tier one deck and like Dimension Police which is like tier three yeah um, like Dimension Police is awful right now, right? Like, like if your opponent knows what Dimension Police do, you're probably not going to win. Yeah. Like they're going to deny you a CB. Your starter is going to be useless, and you're going to lose. That's just how it's going to work. Yeah. And but if you know you have in you have Nyros, which is you know very good deck. People, you know, it's kind of annoying to play around. Has a lot of setups. Like let's say you were infinitely more comfortable Dimension Police than than Nyros, and you had like a week to prepare for a tournament. I would take that entire week to learn Nyros and play it at the tournament, then play Dimension Police. Yeah, like it's it's not even a close decision. Like, I would spend every moment that I had to practice on Night Rose and just refuse to play Dimension Place in this tournament. That's how much better Night Rose is than Dimension Place. Yeah, 
and you know if people in the show you know chose that you know like i think i want to play this for I, I think this is the best choice right now and they don't even have to say like it's a better deck like they can just say i think it's the best choice for this event like there are ways to word it where you could you know you could let them know that they're making an active decision to play this deck because they think it's the best choice yeah, I just think that would be. I just think that would be cool. But and, and for the record, I I'm not saying that like everyone should be playing these tier one decks and be trying to win all the time. Look, I I play whatever deck I want to play at a tournament because well, of, I own Barakumo, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I I play whatever it is I'm playing because I want to play it, not because I'm like I'm gunning for the win. Like it, if if you see me turn over the Dre Nature starter, I'm not there to like climb to the top i'm there to just knock as many heads as i can before i get knocked out and that's fine like you know i mean every, yeah everyone has different goals too the and event, like the event's free what do i care like yeah and 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 but when i, I want to bring up like everyone has different goals and it's, it's not a problem that people you know say i want to top a tournament with this clan right yeah but because you top a tournament with this clan you should you know you still need to recognize that there was a quite a bit of luck on your side yeah, to, but, to be able like let's say somebody tops with what's a clan that just cannot top nowadays, like nature. Mega Colony or something or Meg or yeah. yeah Great Nature or Mega Colony or whatever Pale Moon etc. <laughs> like you have to understand that there's a great amount of luck that went your way, like at least in matchups or like you know maybe maybe some players are worse than others, maybe you had an easy line to the you know to the top eight or whatever, but or you know you you recognize that you got you this is an abnormal result. Yeah. I mean, and that's not bad. Like, you, you still get the bragging rights of, motherfucker, I got to top eight with Murakumo. Suck on that. Like, Yeah, people would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Is, that, is the deck even good? You're like, no. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or like, uh, I forgot which tournament it was, but it was like Garmore Gold Paladin got in the top eight. I was like, good for you, man. That's really oh, cool. That's a meme. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, it's probably because a lot of people just didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And, and I, then it got to that point, and by the point, by the time they realized what was happening, it was, you know, way too late. Yeah, I call that Mega Colony Syndrome, where it's every time Mega Colony gets new support, for about a week, any tournament that's happening, someone will get to top eight with Magic Colony because every, no one knows how to play against it. Yeah. Um, I guess the moral of the whole story is read your opponent's cards. But and and I, and I wouldn't make a big deal about this if like the community wasn't like directly affected by it. But I do see you know a portion of the community, you know, like every other post or so about people kind of influenced by the anime of how the game should be played. Yeah, and if you and if you want to, you know, be loyal to a clan, that's fine. But like, I think it's fun. You you I, you get the, you know, like the satisfaction of getting good stuff eventually, hopefully. Yeah, um, and you know, there is a monetarily speaking some value in holding like old cards aren't worth anything. Mm-hmm. But it's not something you should get upset at people for not following. Yeah, and like net decking, or I hate this term by the way, net is decking? like. Yeah, Why? because it's like it's just th- something that happens in card games. Like let people do it. Like it's going to happen no matter what you do. First of all, yeah, because people want to play decks that win. And if you're a new and if somebody's like has played a bunch of card games before and is getting and wants to play Vanguard at like a high level, they're just going to copy up top deck and learn it, and then they're going to make changes later. Because yeah. why would you start trying to build a deck out of a TD when you could just buy a good deck? Makes sense. Like, if this is your first card game, maybe that's different, right? Because you're not playing for the same goal. But, you know, if you've played, you know, like, 
Yu-Gi-Oh magic and whatever else in the past, and you're going to come into this game and just be like, I don't want to start at the ground level. That's dumb. Like you're not going to start in a place where you don't have to. So, so that's that's something else. Um, what I do like, what the show does, and this is kind of in contrast to what I don't. So th- I mentioned something that I don't like. What I do like, what they do is, uh, you people are just recognizing their opponent as their opponent. Yeah. They don't like make assumptions on their opponent based on very much. They just know like, oh, I, he plays this clan a lot, and that's like it. Yeah. But like, they don't make assumptions on their opponent based on a lot of stuff like gender or whatever. Okay. Which 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 is small but what, something that people should be aware of. Wait, you mean like by seeing a starter you're like people make assumptions no, like, about other people? No, like you sit down or? in a tournament and your opponent's female and you just make some assumptions about them. No. Like like that's you know that's pretty messed up. And like, you know, people can call me whatever they want for this, but like your opponent's your opponent. They're play they're there for the exact same reason you are. To play card games. Mhm. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's it. Is and, it, you should, and people shouldn't harass them either, which is common. I feel like there's another message that you're trying to uh, don't harass, don't women. harass, yeah, don't don't harass females at card game events. Yeah, I feel like that's common sense. Or maybe just don't harass women in general. In general, yeah, uh, yeah. How about at all? Yeah, you know, common sense, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is a more general message, but I'm mostly talking to a card game community, so you know. I mean, there was. Like that is kind of a problem, also. Yeah, and like I, 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 and that's why I try to keep it restricted to hard games. I didn't want this to blow up into like a much bigger thing, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it is a much bigger problem. Yeah, like you're not like you should think about the line between quote being polite and quote and harassment. Yeah. Hmm. I get the feeling we should stop. Before yeah, that, 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 that's 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 why that's why uh, I said it that way. <laughs> getting off the soapbox now. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I, I just want to say that I think that's something the show does better than. Yeah, that's true. You, as frustrating you, as it might be for other for some of the watchers, I think that's something that it does well. Yeah, you don't you, you don't get like the two people going and they're like, oh, neo nectar. Yeah. Is it is it because of Asha? Fuck you! Just play the game already. Yeah. <laughs> it's like who gives a shit? Yeah. It's like uh, no, because I think they have the best chance to kick your ass. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. What was I thinking of with? Uh, at the same time, the, the, we had this other idea for an episode that I guess we can lump into this one. The idea of uh, what I call trap cards, not the purple things from Yu-Gi-Oh that you have to. You know, throw down a face oh, yeah. down, but like just cards that seem like they're good, and then uh, aren't like noob trap or like noob bait. I, I'm not getting the word right, but uh, I I do think it's definitely something to be aware of. Uh, you know, like there there's cards in decks where people will want to play them because oh it's shiny or the anime made it look good. Um, oh, you mean a catch call liberator? Catch call liberator. And, gar- and, uh, and, and uh, what's that? Gurgit? And Gurgit. In Garmore, that shit's hilarious. But uh, I mean, Gar- Garmore is just trying to call a bunch of call call a bunch of random shit, right? Yeah, so, like literally know. anything into anything else. Yeah. Um, but like that mystery freeze dragon was another big one. Um, 
where, you know, Chrono used it against the Kajiro guy, and it was, like, a big freaking deal. And then uh, we never hear, hear or see from it again because it's kind of a shit card. I mean, the show does go out of its way to, like, set up specific scenarios to make cards look as good as possible. Yeah. Even though they might not be. And it's just, like... And sometimes, like, they create cards to fit scenarios, and the cards become absurd, like Hedor Around. That was the like, first thing that need... came into my mind. Yeah, so, like, they needed to create a card that interrupted Demiurge on the opponent's turn. Yeah. And so they're like, we need the opponent to shuffle their deck. Oh, let's just send back a unit. Oh, but that's too good. Well, you we should call... make it call something. I don't but know. Like... <laughs> but Hedor Around is, is crazy. Like... For only a soul blast. I, one thing that that I think they should have done is I know Yu Gi Oh did this sometimes where you'd have cards that were in the anime itself but not in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, card of demise for a long time or Vanguard has manga cards like cards that are in the manga that aren't in real life, like things that gain like a billion power basically. Yeah, or like like do something like that and not make Hedder around super fucking broken. <laughs> or the one card in the manga that like reverse trigger effects. Wait, what? Like, if they got a crit, they lost a crit. they got a draw, they just card a card. If they got a heal, they took a damage. What was stand? You rest something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? I don't know. Vanguard manga has some weird cards in it, that's but for sure. Do you think there are, like, warning signs of a trap card, so to speak? Um, um hmm. I think if it says on hit nine times out of ten... Uh, it's probably not worth it, at least nowadays. I think the biggest thing to look at is what you're losing for using a card. Explain. Um, so, like, I guess let's 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 look at like a really old Vanguard situation. Let's look at the old like Draconic Overlord at the end deck that just played like Draconic Overlord, Draconic Overlord at the end, etc. Right? Yeah. Like you have like four Gatling Claws, you have a bunch of Vanilla Crits, and you have a couple of Vanilla Draws. Right? Yeah. And you're like, I want to put, like, two stands in my deck. Because there's a stand that has kind of a cool effect. I want cookies in a 90-minute cut of Avatar. <laughs> right? And you're like, okay, well, what? what's, like... In, the rear guards in this deck are not great. Like, th- like if we look at... There are situations before this clan even had a 12k attacker. Your rear guards were, like, vanillas and, like... Berserk Dragon. Yeah, and just not good cards. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you look at, like, what are the benefits of playing a stand? And you're like, okay, well... One benefit is that if you know if and if is an important word here. I have I have like I use three CB for a Dragonic Overlord on a rear guard. You know the stand could be really good. You know. Yeah. Two, the stand might have some decent effect. I think there's an old stand for Kagura that has some okay effect. Yeah. I don't remember the name of it. Um. You know, and then but then the other question is, well, if I'm double tagging with Dote, how good are crits? And the answer is very good. <laughs> you know yeah. you. Like, attack with Dote, and they're like, no guard, and they're like, crit, all effects van. And you're like, whatever, you know, like, whatever, counterblast two, discard Dote, restand, okay, attack for 16 with a crit, and your opponent's like, oh, I have to guard this now. It's like, well, if they couldn't guard the first one, the second one's probably not great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's a, bit, there's a big penalty there, where if you check a stand, you're like, okay, well, I'm only dealing one damage, where the stand is not getting great value of my rear guards. Right? Yeah. So, so there's like a trade-off here of your, you know, you weigh how common is the situation, where how common are these other situations? Like, do I think that the occasional stand of the stand trigger, or the, 
you know, ability, you know, or the uh, effect of the stand is worth more than checking this crit, you know, on most of my mo- most of my grade three turns. I think I think that uh, at least nowadays uh, triggers are not worth it unless they have an effect. Ninety percent. Yeah, like of the you would time. never play a vanilla stand these days. Yeah, um, and I and I. And I know times back, you know, around BTO8, original BTO8, where I would have played vanilla stands. I mean, I played vanilla stands throughout in, in Limerick era, and occasionally with what? And, uh, with um, Leopold Reverse. Oh, okay. I played like eight. Um, I played like eight <laughs> or so vanilla stands in that deck. Makes sense. I played the uh, Eraser Alpaca and the uh, Hell the, yes, the chicken. Yes, alarm chicken or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, you lock your back row, right? And yeah. basically, all the power of your back row is being thrown to your front row. So you have the twenty-one, twenty-three k front row rear guards. You know, you attack with my twenty-one k binoculars tiger. Attack on my eleven k vanguard. Hit a stand trigger. Give it to binoculars tiger. Restand, and he's huge, right? And you're, you know, you're making good turns. You know, post LB for almost no counterblast. Mm-hmm. And so stand triggers were really good in that deck. And I think that checking a stand was in general better. Then checking your crit. Yeah. Um, assuming my opponent was guarding. But nowadays, it's like your vanguards are just so big, and you want to make them as threatening as possible, and so crits are just so good. Yeah. And the only way you play a stand is you think the effect is really, really good. Yeah. I mean, like, the in in uh, Narukami, the stand trigger that gets you a draw and a counter charge when you retire something is enough for people to go, well, shit, you know, being able to replace <laughs> itself and all that. Yeah. Is and worth it enough. Triggers going back to deck. I think stands going back to deck is like fairly medium. Mm-hmm. I think it's much better than the stands like go to solar or whatever. Yeah. Like the, the, there's like these weird split of triggers that go to soul and go to, go to back to deck that I'm not sure how they choose which ones, which like, Monochrome, which is like pretty good, goes back to deck, and then like Rinka for burst, like goes to soul for whatever reason. Yeah, it's just why? Who cares? Or like, which... I don't know. It seems like to me that putting something to soul would be part of the cost, and then the putting it back to deck is like a result of the effect. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but that's never how the put back to deck are. It's always like put this on top of your deck, do some effect, shuffle your deck. Well, no, usually it's it's the result of something where they're like, when you do this, you may pay the cost if you do some kind of thing. Um, whereas the... Um, I don't know. Never mind. I, I wrote myself into a corner. Never mind. You're right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, but the stand trigger, when you, when something happens, you put it in soul and get to do something, and then I realized, nope, that's the same fucking thing. And then the big, it. the biggest mistake happened where they started making crits that go back to deck. Yeah, Belial Al, seriously. Flogal. Yeah, I think they, like, they, they. What uh, is occurring? Yeah, they they kind of uh, shit the bed on that one. I I think they're gonna stop. I hope. I hope. They I stop. mean, they haven't made one yet, right? Yeah. Or after GBT ten. I noticed... like they made a bunch of ones that were um. How do I, how do I say? Like that, go back to deck for like, if you have like some sub clan, oh, but they're all yeah. if, so you can just send them back for no reason. Oh, yeah, with the like Silverthorn or Star. Yeah, like Paradigm Shift, the yeah. Silverthorn one. Yeah. Uh, there's a. 
There's some other ones. I don't there's a witch one uh, yeah. for Genesis. And for and then, Shadow Paladin. And there's a Battle Sister one for OTT. Yeah. Oh, there's a one for Shadow Paladin? Yeah, for sure. witches. Oh, sure. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, so there's just a million of these things. Mm-hmm. And, and these triggers were already good, and they they pretty much lost you a card. Right? Like, you played them, sent them back to deck, did nothing. Yeah. And people were like, I'm willing to play this. And then they start making triggers that go back to deck for very positive effects, like Flogal, and I'm just like, what? Yeah, you get a standoff <laughs> of a Belial Owl, you, you can... Use it to be a draw in addition to whatever effect you're you're retiring it for, and then it goes back to deck to be surged out by Luard again next turn. That's cool. Yeah, right. Like, like what the fuck? Yeah, I Who think, does this? I think they've like shot themselves in the foot, so they're like, I'm, we're gonna stop doing that. They 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 had a similar thing with like Luard's alternate stride skill, where they're like, okay, that was too broken. So the next one they had was uh, the big belly grade three the new belly <laughs> that one's just awful and it's if, <laughs> so they, they, they were so scared they were like all right we can't have it be like a free stride how about if your field's empty right jenkins if your field's empty all the <laughs> cards in your hand get grade plus one <laughs> okay that's cool i guess and then after that they were like all right that was terrible so chocho they're like all right how about one and that was still not dice? good <laughs> yeah i mean it's good if you're behind which is nice but yeah, but yeah, but come on. <laughs> they, they they definitely like overstepped their boundaries with Luards. Now they're trying to like be more careful. Yeah, fucking they Jenkins. They clearly man. know they messed up. Yeah, <laughs> Jenkins. Um, I don't know. I don't really know if there are other signs of uh, trap cards. Typically, I I've found that double R's in general are usually kind of middle of the road. Obviously, there are exceptions, but, you know. Yeah. I've never, I haven't had a double R in a long time that was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah, you did. It's called Ezra's. I was going to say, aside from Belial out. Ezra's. I forgot that was double R. thought it yeah. was triple R for some reason. The shower powder double R's that are worth more than like most of, you know, or are right. just infinitely better than the triple R's. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, the, the, those seem to be exception to the rule. N- name me another broken double R. I yeah. Dare so, yeah. I mean, and and so I wanted to make the point that like the reason I didn't bring up people playing shitty decks in the anime, yeah, is because there's actually like there's a there's a good reason not to do that, not to have people play good decks in the anime, and that's that you don't want to influence your design on the on the people. Yeah. Like obviously the viewer base should know that these decks are subpar, but it's yeah. up to the population to create better decks. Yeah. And this is why net decking plays an important part because if people just all work separately, then progress is very slow. Yeah. But if people work together, progress is very fast. So you can solve whatever situation they have going on. I mean, I guess the idea is that some people don't want it solved, but. Yeah. Well, you know. one, it makes for a boring story. Imagine if fucking everybody's playing Gear Chronicle and Night Rose in the anime. <laughs> you know? It's like, man, what, what should I play? Oh, I guess one of these two decks that everyone's playing. And then there's also, um, like, uh, just the idea of, god damn it, I lost my train of thought again. Shoot me. Um. I don't know where you're going with that, so I can't Yeah, me too. No, I, I, I just completely (laughs) lost my train of thought. Uh, that is, uh, this episode is brought to you in part by... 
Trileptol, which causes Atlas to regularly lose his train of thought at the worst <laughs> times. I'm serious. I, t- I take a medication for epilepsy, and that's the side effect, is it just makes you lose your train of thought and stuff. Nice. So, awesome. Like nothing else. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah, so so there's a good reason why they don't play good decks in the, in the show. And I and I think that's reasonable. I'm not really upset that the people play shitty decks. I'm just bad. I'm just upset when the characters make shitty decisions. Yeah. Like when's the last time Tyos tried to glorious stroke glorious raining? Yeah. Or, I don't even remember at this point. Or also when when the Tagaro guy he'll first stride Zedenberg, but not for the restand. But he just well, does, yeah, he, he just does can't restand him. Well, I mean like he there's one where he G guards into it. So he can do the GV3 restand? Cool. But, uh-huh. like, but he'll go into Zedenberg his first stride, even though it's not going to get the restand. Like, he should be going into something else. Um, <laughs> like, Mustafa, at least. Or something, you know? Or a Vortex Desire, or whatever. whatever like, yeah. you typically one of those two, right? Yeah. But because it doesn't... like Vortex Desire doesn't have Blaze, so it's not... Uh, it doesn't really make sense with the whole thing where, like, oh, I'm going to turn the battlefield into a hellscape and, you know, everything's on fire. Um, that would make sense for Mustafa, at least, because that has Blaze also. Um, yeah, well, I think it's also important for the show. Like, I think it's fine for the show because when you first try Zingenberg, you get to show off its first skill. Yeah. So it's saying, like, hey, this can do something before GB. And it's like in the second, and when you started again, he's like, "Oh, now I can restand." Yeah. Where if you just started the second time and did both skills, it wouldn't be clear that one was pre GB and one was not. Well, lately, what they're doing is they're when they when they show skills, they'll have a close up of them paying costs. So, like a big example is when you have uh, Hayao doing the um, V Buster thing. The first stride, he goes V Buster still, and then it's a close up of him taking a card from the soul. And then a close-up of his G-deck as he flips a copy over. You know, uh, choose choose a rear guard in one of your cards from your drop zone and bind them so you get, like, the lightning bolts and seeing the thing disappear into that wormhole. <laughs> and then the the, uh, the guy just, like, slams the cards on the table like, fine! You know? Yeah, it, it used to be a lot worse. Back in, like, uh, when they showed, like, um, Maelstrom Reverse, people were like, you lock something and do something. <laughs> and then yeah. this happens... And then, like, the card comes out, and you're like, no, this is not even close. <laughs> so, yeah. like, you know, that card has to pass by you twice in order to get the full effect. Well, because the uh, Boucher is, has now kind of realized that people mostly just watch the show for card reveals. That's been true all along. Yeah, but, like, the, they kind of get it now, and they're they're making skills abundantly clear. Yeah. Um, and, I think, and I think they're, um, like... Well, the show never actually like realized like the problem of like grade one rush or grade two rush either. Yeah, and and of course this will never be realized in the show because that's not how they're designing the game. Like, I so want that to happen in the show though. It's just some it's just some Chrono, ass playing ripples or some shit. Like no plays against some fucker <laughs> using ripples and he just gets flattened. Like I don't care. Like it doesn't need to be a big plot point. I just want to see like like a filler episode where they're just talking, and he, he's like playing some dude while that's going on and just the guy flattens him or like seven runner yeah <laughs> something like none of my cards work it's like yeah, yeah well, it's because your deck's greedy oh okay yeah. <laughs> but like i i do they, they have realized that the way to fix this problem is not continuously ban stuff for the rest of time because that's obviously stupid people will always find a way right yeah people are still losing to seven runner and it's had like it's been hit twice yeah 
I mean, there's an argument that Night Spinal needs to be hit now, right? But, I mean, there was an argument Night Spinal needed to be hit before. Yeah. They want to keep that available for the, quote, legit, end quote, seven Cs that nobody cares enough to play. But it was fun for a while. <laughs> I mean, yeah, then yeah. Gash came out, and you're like, there's no reason to play this. Yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, I, I, I do think it'd be funny if they mentioned this show. But, well, uh, well, of course, just, the ban list is, like, out of the show's yeah. scope. They don't want to acknowledge that though because then that would be that would acknowledge that there is a flaw in card design which right. you don't want to publicly do that you just want to quietly have the ban list and only for the people who care about it not for well, the publicly uh, doing it um is kind of a double-edged sword yeah because like the flawed card design has already lost a bit of confidence in you in, in the company yeah because people people know the cards are designed poorly yeah like people are aware and so like you quietly doing stuff just makes people be like okay get i guess they realize it but coming out publicly and saying it is some can sometimes uh it's kind it's kind of it's kind of weird because if you come out publicly saying it you have to have an active plan to fix it yeah yeah like magic had a problem where they missed an infinite combo in standard mm-hmm. and they let this thing just hang around for a format mm-hmm. so you know you have basically had like six mana kill your opponent and people were like, why is this allowed? Like, how did this make it through development? And they were like, we made a mistake. We forgot about X card, Y card, whatever. And then the, the, to follow up, they're like, we're going to make a play design team that tests, that tests the formats we're creating to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen. And so they hired a bunch of, like, now former professional Magic players to, like, uh, do this play design thing. Yeah. So, so... Basically, publicly announcing you made a mistake can have a positive impact and saying that, oh, they do recognize their mistakes and they're willing to take steps to fix it. But if they're not testing their, you know, mechanics properly, like... Right, they're not going to say shit. Like, like Nubatama, the whole Dominate thing is such a foggy uh, ruling thing. I am am just waiting for something terrible to happen. The rulebook's died for, like, a mediocre deck. Yeah. Oh god, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a definitely interesting thing. And Jenkins fucked it up. Yeah, fucking then, Jenkins, man. Like the fact that they didn't up like update the new Batama rules like like beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like they knew that they were making this card that you know dominated your opponent's vanguard, mm-hmm. and they just don't update the rulebook so that this makes sense. Yeah. So like, does it does it take the skill of the opponent's vanguard too? If, if it has an on attack skill, yes. Yeah. Okay. But you still have to pay all the costs. Yeah. So, like, if you dominated grade two big belly, right? Yeah. You would get to, on attack, dope something 4K and to turn your tire a draw card. Yeah. One of your own things or one of the opponent's things? Well, one of your own things. Oh, okay. So you could do, like, a new Batama, like, I'm going to Yeah, you lose your unit at the end of turn your draw card. Yeah, dope dope Furai for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, this isn't great in new Batama, but it's something you can do. So yeah, it's 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 pretty amusing, but the the rules are definitely a giant mess. Yeah, and in the show in the show they get to skip all that because they get to make the card work exactly how they want it to. Yeah, well, there's there's but, that uh, there's that, and how fucking boring would that be if like? Because I I realize that a lot of the the losses in the show come from not knowing what the opponent's card does and then having some nasty on hit skill. And mm-hmm. but how boring would that be to be like, are it like you know I attack your vanguard? And there's like lightning and swords and shit and then chrono goes hey not a second can i read that 
<laughs> for sure, for he's sure. Just, he's just standing there, idiot. Yeah. Like, oh, does that, that have an on-hit skill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks really scary. Yeah. Well, I did, it, for 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 the for the sake of uh, cinematic purposes, I get why they don't do that. From but from a player perspective, stupid. You know. Yeah, and 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 I think that really shows that we shouldn't be playing how they play in the show. Yeah. Like we should be playing at a higher level than how they play in the show. Yeah. And putting the restrictions of the show on players, like starting at grade three or something, because they just refuse to show grades one and two at this point. For the most uh, part, yeah. And let, like uh, it's not it's not something that we we need to push. Like the game, our game is different than the show's game. Like yeah. our game, you know, is, is going to have an important grade two game, right? Yeah. First stride is going to be very important. In the show's game, they play they play like this really passive, slow shit just to show off cards. Yeah. So. Um, so and I, I was and, I was watching like fights from the original anime. It's a lot different. Um, mm-hmm. it, grade one and two is like really matters. Grade one and two yeah. matters. There's a lot more talking. There's. Uh, you know, like everything slowed down, and even the music too. Like in in the um, in like the modern in like Vampire G, there's a lot more like guitars and like faster paced music, and and it, before you get these like slow synthesizer in the mm-hmm. background, or or just like you know, or the background they're standing in. Like sometimes they'll just be standing in like dripping water for some reason. Like they're in a big puddle, and there's like water droplets in the background or like during the link joker stuff they're in fucking space yeah and you get like this kind of bloom like harp sound when they take a damage and it's just slower and more subdued um i don't know i thought it was interesting and then all the new stuff they're like depending on who's got home field advantage they have like a background (laughs) nubatama and murakuma it's like a japanese like manner and then you know, Gear Chronicle, they're in this like steampunk landscape, that kind of, that kind of thing. Right. It's pretty neat, actually, if you pay attention. Yeah. One. Um, I guess the takeaway here is, unlike how the show um, perceives it, losing games is completely fine and reasonable. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. Like. It you should never like start a conversation with I've never lost this deck. Like once you start a once you start a statement with I have this deck, it's never lost. I'm gonna stop listening to you. Yeah, exactly. Like because well, I either a you've played like one game with this deck and you managed to win, or b like you're you're just bullshitting. Well, also the games we play in real life aren't deciding the fate of the universe, so or whatever I mean, it is that, whatever it is they're doing in the show. Maybe maybe yours aren't. I don't know. <laughs> Did <laughs> uh, it decide the fate of the universe with some pandas? Awesome, <laughs> and a tiger with crayons for a tail. But yeah, like you should, you should definitely like. If if you want good testing, you should just keep track of you know your your win rates with like with certain collections of cards or whatever. Yeah, and like, I notice people don't do this when you lose. Try and think about why you lost. Was not, there, not was there a turning point or that kind of thing? Sorry. What? Where did it all start to go wrong? Yeah. Could I have made any decisions prior to this point to avoid this? Yeah. Sometimes the answer is no, and you're like, well, that's how it is. Yeah. Sometimes the matchup is bad. Yep. Um. Some, sometimes you're playing like you know. The, the second I'm play, like if if I'm playing Tachikaze and I see the opponent flip over, uh, carbon, I'm like, oh shit. 
<laughs> dude, fuck, dude. I, I just want, I just want to walk away already. I, like, uh, is this even worth playing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I the, mean, it's you can win technically. The, the the only way I've like found a win is I gotta like draw into heels and go for that debate because that's probably the only way I can do it. <laughs> um, that, I mean, the other the other way you win is them getting screwed. Oh, that's another yeah. thing. If you're keeping data on your wins and losses, do not throw at games where you get completely screwed or where your opponent gets completely screwed. Do not These will throw probably out. just even them, huh? It'll probably just even out in the data. First of all, yeah. And second of all, if you're getting over, if you're getting screwed too much, that's a data point that you want. Yeah. Because that might mean you you know you might need to add another something, maybe take out a grade three, you know something something weird like that. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do that in the anime either. There's not like Chrono being like, "I've lost a lot of games lately." Wonder why? Yeah, and then you know, it's like it never happens. Like he just wins like five games in a row and like continues to win. And you're like, "Yeah, man, I'll like win four games, like lose four, and then <laughs> you're like yeah. win six and then lose three, and you're like, well, I guess I'm, you know, ten for seventeen. I'm positive." Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it's like because every game in the show has to be like an event. Whereas yeah. here, whereas like you know, most of the games I play, like I'm in a Jack in the Box at tw- at midnight on a on a Tuesday or something. Eating curly fries, I'd hope. Yeah, fuck yeah, those things are great. <laughs> right. Um, Shout out to Jack in the Box curly fries. Jack in the crack. Uh, <laughs> what the? I know, I know that sounded random, but that's literally what I was doing last night. I was with my friends in a Jack in the Box eating curly fries <laughs> and playing. <laughs> curly fries is the only thing I'll eat. Only thing I eat, I'll eat at Jack in the Box. Yeah, me too. I refuse to eat anything else. Yeah, the the burgers are kind of gross, but anyway. Um, well. Any anything else to say about this topic? Um, just uh, you're not in a, you're not in an anime. You're 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 a real life person in real life playing a children's card game. Don't yeah. don't be don't you don't need to act like you're in the anime. You're in you're just, in school or you have a job or you're trying to be in school or trying to have a job. <laughs> Hopefully, and one of those four things. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like you're you're you're, you're a person with flaws and shit to do and nobody's got time to spout lines about you know when you're striding yeah that always bothered me like when you, there's always Dude, this, there's one guy there's one guy at every locals that goes all right stride generation you know full like you know like uh, at whatever long name what there was a thread on Vanguardians like earlier this week about some guy saying, "Hey, what cool thing quote cool end quote uh, things do you say before you stride or whatever?" And I'm just like, "Fuck you!" That <laughs> stop. <laughs> just stop. I liked one of the comments like, "I ride my grade two. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess I ride this grade two. <laughs> yeah. Like you know that's actually we'll say right. Like no one wants to listen to your spiel. Yeah. Don't make. Them. I I would totally love to just see an episode of the anime where they're just like, all right, ride, call, still, <laughs> like, just, would have been great. Nine. But anyway, nine, nine. You're, you're, you're not in an anime, you're a person, act like it. Uh, 12 to your 9. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we here at Nexus at Night love you and cherish you for listening. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Nexus at Night. You can find me at Atlas Novak. You can find Matt. I'm going to get this wrong every time you, you do it. Uh, Wiggums with two G's, two Z's. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, the we put up a new pocket video this week on the YouTube channel for Nexus Core. What Aichi keeps in his pockets, and it is hilarious because 
uh, Richard, the editor, made a point of just dragging my name through the mud. Me, personally, and not IG, because I was playing a character, goddammit. So that was fun. Uh, in, enjoy my anguish as uh, people in the comments section rip me apart. <laughs> There's even a part- doing in there. I never read YouTube. I try not. To, uh, I try, sorry, I try not. To, I try not to read YouTube comments. Yeah, but like, uh, well, because I, I was so pissed off by it because there's a part where I'm saying as Aichi, card games are the only thing that matter in my life, and he put up on the screen in quotes, card games are the only thing that matter in my life. Hyphen Atlas Novak, like. <laughs> I was doing a bit like damn it <laughs> were you doing a bit who are I, you trying to convince I don't know us or yourself apparently I'm in the anime <laughs> despite the last 50 minutes of what we've been talking about right <laughs> yeah um, but yeah go ahead and enjoy that and we'll see y'all next week I was Atlas and I'm Matt and have a good night everyone take the time to thank anybody who found this podcast uh i also recommend sharing it with your friends family anybody who likes vanguard uh you can find us on soundcloud or on your podcast app that little purple thing that goes in the folder that of the stuff you can't delete like stocks who uses stocks anyway you can also tweet me atlas novak so at a-t-l-a-s-n-o-v-a-c-k you can also tweet at nexus at night n-e-x-u-s-a-t-n-i-g-h-t or you can tweet the Nexus Core YouTube channel, so at N-E-X-U-S-C-O-R-P-S. Be sure to check out that YouTube channel. Uh, we have, you know, card fights and deck profiles and all that good stuff.